Welcome to Galaxy Radio, listener. If you've come here looking for an escape from the normal, you've come to the right place. Here on Galaxy Radio, anything can happen, anything is possible. If you intend to stay for the duration of the story, I advise you get comfy, grab something to snack on, and buckle in for the ride. All musical credit goes to Mew. Check out his channel in the link in the description below. All stories here are created and written by Elisha Roscoe. Any likeness to other stories is pure coincidence. No stories have been stolen or used without the author's permission here. Any form of re-uploading or reproduction of Galaxy Radio narration or Elisha Roscoe's work is strictly prohibited without permission of Galaxy Radio or Elisha Roscoe. Thank you and enjoy the show. The Mantis, part two. Things, things have gone really south since the last time I wrote. I didn't expect things to escalate so quickly. At the moment I'm safe, but I don't know how much longer that will last. It all started when I went to stake out Mr. Goodman's house. Eric had given me further info on the Colts meeting time over the phone. Eight o'clock exactly every Friday. I had chosen to wear somewhat of a light disguise. Cheap reading glasses, a dad hat, a common dark blue shirt, and dark blue jeans. I also had shaved my beard, giving me a clean face as opposed to the last time I had visited the neighborhood. I hoped that my disguise would somewhat keep me under the radar. My plan was to sneak into the neighborhood an hour before the meeting started. The real icing on the cake about the situation is that I'd be driving in a plumber's van I had borrowed from a friend. The idea was that Eric had a surprise plumbing problem at his house, so being in need of a plumber, he would call me. I would show up to his house, act like I was checking out the problem, walk back to the van, grab my toolbox, walk back to his house, sneak out the back, then commence my spying on the colt, hopefully being able to get some photos of the colt in action. I know this seems like overkill, but after the information I had dug up, I feel that I hadn't taken enough precautions. At surface level, I didn't find anything regarding Nagash or neighborhood colts, but... After quite a few hours of digging, I found a post on an independent cult info blog talking about a cult known as the Mantis. The post in summary didn't have much to say other than this cult seemed to hide in plain sight. And being that the cult was very elusive, not doing much in the public eye to be put on mainstream news, there wasn't much that could be said about them. The writer who remained anonymous for this document had left a business email in case of a person needing further questions. While there wasn't much on the cult, the mention of the name Nagash in the article caught my attention. So I emailed the writer asking if he knew any more about Nagash. The writer almost immediately replied saying that if I wanted to know more, I should call him using the number he provided in his email. I did so, and to say the least, the conversation we had was interesting. After some basic back and forth shallow chit chat, we got down to business. I explained to him my case, of course keeping Eric's name and address private. We discussed the neighborhood cult. He told me that when it came to the name Nagash, which he confirmed to be a name, there wasn't much he could tell me. The people who he had learned it from, former members of the cult by the way, said that the name was a part of a chant they'd perform. They had never told him who Nagash was, but they had repeatedly warned against saying the name in any disrespectful matter or nature. Fortunately, he could tell me a lot on the cult group called the Mantis. Apparently, they had managed to stay somewhat underground in the public eye. He had come to know them through a friend he had made at work who had joined the cult a few years after it started back in the early 2000s. From what his friend said, they were not to be messed with. Violence was not a problem for these people. His friend had left because of a great falling out the cult had. There had been a divide in the group when one of the leaders decided to introduce some new ideas. 
These new ideas included sacrifices and summonings of things. He didn't specify what they were trying to summon, just that he and about half of the cult members and leaders wanted nothing to do with it. They had up until this point just been more of a secret club of sorts that followed a mix of ancient religious teachings using the praying mantis as their mascot and name. But never in their time had they attempted to do anything related to witchcraft or sacrifices. The day that the leader had introduced these new ideas, a fight broke out among the other leaders of the group. At first it was a shouting match, but that shouting match led to a fight and that fight led to one of the opposing leaders getting killed. He was stabbed in the heart with a knife by the leader who had introduced the ideas. At this point, his group had gained control in the situation, pulling out guns and threatening to take any more lives if anyone else resisted. Their new leader put it simply, if there was any who wished to stay, they could. If any wished to leave, they could on one condition. If they went to the police, there would be hell to pay. A few attempted to resist but were killed without a second thought. While he had left the cult, he was able to get some information from his friends who had left the cult later on. Things had gotten much worse since he left. Apparently, they had started to sacrifice any stray animals they could get their hands on and were performing summoning rituals religiously. They had also started to expand. According to his friends, they had doubled in size since he had left, and they had even started sending out smaller groups to set up in other neighborhoods, even other states. He even dropped the name of one of the first extended cult leaders, John Goodman. I was taken aback by this revelation. I asked him if he could describe Goodman to me, which he did. And at that moment, after he finished describing him, there was no doubt in my mind that he was describing the Goodman I had met the day I would started my investigation. When he finished breaking down the cult to me, I asked him why he didn't put all of that on the website. He explained that he was afraid to put that info online because of what happened to his friend. He elaborated that shortly after his friend shared that info with him, his friend was found dead in his apartment with his hands nailed to the wall in a demented crucifix position. He had been afraid just to put the little info on the blog, but figured that perhaps someone willing to take the risk to investigate would contact him for further info. I personally don't know why he did this. If I were him, I would have never put anything related to this group. But perhaps he thought that someone might look further than the simple description and be willing to take the risk to investigate. In all reality, I don't know why, but either way, his information proved most helpful in how I should treat this case. I didn't waste any time either in letting Eric know about the gravity of the situation. He was truthfully stunned at the info I had dug up. I advised possibly leaving the neighborhood, considering that a literal animal-sacrificing, demon-summoning murder cult resided there with him. He agreed, but felt if the cult was doing these things, it was his duty to report them to the authorities. And the only way to do that would be to capture some evidence of them doing one of the more violent acts. As I stated in my plan at the beginning of this report, I'd be using the disguise of a plumber to hide my identity, so it wouldn't seem suspicious when I showed up to Eric's house. What I didn't mention was that I'd be in communication with Eric during the whole operation via a special earpiece walkie-talkie I had gotten from an old friend of mine. At 7 o'clock exactly, I drove down to Eric's house, parked in front, and prepared for the operation to commence. I opened the glove box and pulled out my plan B in case things went wrong. It was a 44 Magnum revolver with a short barrel which made it easy to store in my jeans. I loaded six rounds into the cylinder and put the safety on. I didn't want it going off by accident while I was doing my mission. After securely concealing my 44, I walked out of the car and made my way up the driveway to the house. I noticed that no one was out. The neighborhood was quiet. Too quiet. The place I once saw as a mini paradise, I now saw as a cesspool for evil. I knocked on the door and was greeted not by Eric, but Mr. Goodman. He wore a reptilian-like smile, showing off his extremely white teeth. He had this look in his eye that disturbed me to the core. 
and even though I stood a good head over him, there was a sort of intimidating dominance he seemed to possess in the moment. Come inside, Jim. There's some things we need to discuss. Where's Eric? Eric's... Eric's in a better place now. Did you kill Eric? Yes, I killed Eric. I stabbed him so many times I lost count. And now, I'm gonna kill you, Jim Allen. I don't think so, I said, quickly drawing my gun and aiming it towards him. Mr. Goodman seemed surprised for a moment, but his cold, collected composure quickly returned. Go ahead. Pull the trigger. I dare you. Something about the way he said that held far too much confidence for a man who had a gun pointing at him. I swiftly turned in such a way that I still had the gun pointing at Goodman, but was able to see if anyone was coming up behind me. And sure enough, there was a man wearing a scarlet-colored hood with a large knife in his hand. Seeing that I was aware of his plan, Goodman charged me, attempting to wrestle the gun out of my hand. But the man, while holding an intimidating presence, was nowhere near being as strong as me. I threw him off, slamming his head into the corner of the wall. There was a sickening thud, and Mr. Goodman slumped to the ground while a trail of blood followed where his head had hit the corner. The hooded man seeing this attempted to attack me but was stopped dead in his tracks by a 44 magma bullet to the head. He fell face forward into the grass, his hood soaking up the blood that poured out of his head. Knowing full well that I didn't have a lot of time, I ran into the house and hoped that perhaps Mr. Goodman had been bluffing about killing Eric. I was sadly given my answer the moment I entered the kitchen. There was Eric, nearly nude save for his underwear being the only article of clothing he wore. He was nailed to the kitchen wall in a demented crucifix position. I nearly vomited at the sight of the scene. I could feel burning tears sliding down my face. And while I wasn't close to Eric, no human, no human at all deserved this kind of death. While taking in the horrific scene, I heard a scratching noise coming from where the hallway was. I slowly walked over to investigate the noise. The noise was coming from the bathroom. I slowly opened the door and was met by Eric's dog, a large mastiff. The poor thing's muzzle had been taped shut. I quickly went to work removing the tape. The dog appeared thankful for my help. I got up from where I had crouched and turned around to see two hooded figures, one of them holding a large knife. I didn't have time to take a shot and was tackled by one of the assailants. He tried pinning me to the ground but found his attack in vain when I bucked him off me and his head hit the bathtub hard. The other one with the knife tried to slash me but was attacked by Eric's dog. The man screamed out in pain but only for a moment. I blew his brains out and onto the bathroom mirror. Not wanting to deal with any more attackers, I ran out of the house calling for the dog hoping that it would follow me, which it did and we made a mad dash for the van. I swung open the van door letting the dog and me in then slammed it shut i hopped into the front seat and started the van i turned the van around like a maniac and drove out of that place as fast as i could and just when i thought i was free i slammed on the brakes standing before me was a long line of hooded figures all dressed in their full cult attire robes and everything I stared in awe and horror, but my shock was not for the cult members. I'd expected something like this to happen. What I hadn't expected was for a giant, 12-foot-tall praying mantis to be accompanying them. The dog whimpered in fear at the creature, and I put the van in reverse, not caring if there was anyone behind me. I was not qualified by any means to fight giant satanic cult bug creatures. I turned my car around once again and sped down the street. There were a few cult members who tried to get in my way, but I wasn't falling for their game of chicken. I drove right at them with no fear of hitting them. They managed to get out of the way just in time. Even though I had avoided killing any more people, I still had to deal with the giant mantis that was following me. It had slammed one of its large front legs into the side of the van. The vehicle shook, but I was able to keep it from crashing. Knowing this thing wasn't going to let up, I rolled down the window and aimed at the creature with my gun. Eat lead, I screamed while firing the rest of my bullets at the creature. Only two hit their mark. One 
busting open the creature's left eye and the other placing a hole in its thorax. The beast screamed in pain and slowed down, obviously wounded. I kept on driving, faster than ever. I eventually found my way out of that hellscape. There was no way I could go back to my apartment. If they knew about what me and Eric were planning, they probably knew where I lived and were waiting for me. And that leads to where we are now. And when I say we, I mean me and Eric's dog, whose name is Cooper, by the way. I've adopted the dog, not wanting to leave the poor guy at the pound. Like I said at the beginning of the document, we're safe. At least for now. I've been working on what we're going to do next, but I don't believe I'm completely scot-free. This cult has shown that they'll stop at nothing to keep their secret, and me being alive is too much of a liability. I might add to this document in the future, but for now I need to focus on surviving. That's all for now. Jim Allen, signing out. You've been listening to Galaxy Radio. If you've enjoyed tonight's audio presentation, be sure to let us know down in the comments below. Or if you're listening through our Spotify podcast, be sure to share it with all of your friends. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again.